Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. So we're going to move into the talk for the day, which is going to be in 1 Kings chapter 2. Uh, But before we uh, do that, I think I want to pause at this point in the service and just pray a blessing on all the guys in the room. We'll try to include those that are online. So if you're a guy, doesn't matter your age, might be, you know, 12 or 85, would you stand and we're going to pray a blessing on the men this Father's Day. So Father, I pray, and by the way, if you're, uh, one, if you're a, a woman here and you're connected to these guys somehow, if you want to lay your hand on their back, that'd be great. If you're not connected to them, do not touch a man who is not your own. <laughs> it's kind of the standard joke around the vineyard. So... Let's pray. God, we pray a blessing on these men. You know what they've been through, and you know what they're going to face in the future, and we ask a blessing on their life, uh, their physical life, their spiritual life. In different measure, some of us know probably how much we need you more than others. The reality is, God, every guy who is standing here or at home, if they're participating in this prayer, we are desperate for your strength, your power, your wisdom to take us places we should go, to have us do things that we should do, to recover from things that we've been through. God, we just need you for all those things. So will you bless these men in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give them a round of applause. Thanks, guys, for being guys. So again, the message is going to come out of 1 Kings chapter 2, and an introductory thought is a childhood memory that I have of my own father. My dad's name was Wayne, and he passed away some years back. But here's a picture of me, my brother, and my dad. I'm the little towhead on the right side. And, and uh, we didn't wear clothes at our house, <laughs> apparently. Some summertime picture. Um, and m- the memory that came to mind of my dad was swimming. We would swim a lot. We would go camping. We would, uh, most of our swimming would be like at lakes and stuff like that. And I can remember numbers of times where... We would uh, uh, begin to like swim out to a raft far out in a lake, farther than most little kids would swim. Because I could swim uh, when I was really little. My father was a great swimmer and had been a lifeguard. And so he had this huge sense of confidence around the water. And I think he instilled that in us. And I can remember at three swimming out to where only adults were because my dad would be right next to me and he would say things, I don't remember being afraid, but I'm I'm sure if I ran out of energy, he would say, we got this. And I do remember at times, if I began to get tired, he would say, no, we got this. And I'd be like doing my little paddle swim or whatever. And he he could literally just grab the back of my shorts and swim me wherever we were headed to go. And I remember it's just kind of a good childhood memory, and I use that to introduce the question for us all. Do you have any memorable dad moments? I hope you do. Even if you don't have a uh, father, 
biological father in your life. I hope God has given you some maybe memorable father-like moments where there was a man who did the right thing and encouraged you. Does that make sense? Memorable dad moments. I've shared before another one of mine where we were, we were lined up to play a pickup baseball game and my dad was going to be the, uh, the head, whatever, what do they call the first? He got to be first pick, the captain of one of the teams. And I was standing there in a row of teenagers and I was probably not yet a teenager, as maybe 11 or 12. And, and my dad picked me first. I'll never forget, because I remember thinking, that's a bad pick, Dad. These guys are better than I am. <laughs> but he picked me first. And so I, that, I don't know that I'll ever forget that moment. Do you have any good dad moments? Some of my moments are not quite as warm and fuzzy. When I was 16 or 17, my friends and I went to Florida over spring break, totaled a car while we were down there. So we were kind of in a mess. And so after that, we went to uh, what's called a phone booth to call home. Some of you that don't know what a phone booth is, it's basically a, an outdoor small little hut with a cell phone that, you, that has a slot in it. You have to put a quarter in the cell phone to make the phone call. So we were lined up to phone, to phone home and say we were in a mess. And so I don't remember whether I was first or last. We, we were all doing this phone call. Called my house. My mom answered the phone. I said, I need to talk to dad, which, by the way, can trigger a mother. She was like, what happened? I'm like, I just, just put dad on the phone. And I said, dad, we totaled the car. We're in a mess. And dad said two things to me. First question was, are you okay? And I said, yeah, we're all fine. And then his next uh, statement was this. Well... Let us know your plan on how you are going to get home so that we will not worry. Thanks, Dad. But I don't know that I'll ever forget that moment, too, because underneath that was a great dad moment for me because Im implicit there was, Look, man, you're 16, 17, you found your way down there, you'll figure this out. And does that make sense? Dad moments can have a huge impact on our lives. I think that the Bible has memorable dad moments. In Luke 15, there's a story commonly known as the prodigal son. Young man, fairly young man, leaves his father's house and makes stupid mistake after stupid, just bad, intentional, likely, intentional stupid mistakes, squanders all of his money, participates in immorality, and it, like life goes from bad to worse, he ends up with no money, just ends up in a total mess, and it's his fault. So he decides, I guess I'll go back to my dad's house. What he expects to receive when he gets to his dad's house is uh, discipline or punishment or lack of welcome. And then I think this would be a dad moment, a memorable dad moment. In verse 22, this was his father's response. Quick, bring the best robe, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Let's have a feast and celebrate. I'll bet that young man 
never forgot that moment of grace that his father extended to him. Just to be a little more inclusive, I don't think all of the great dad moments in the Bible are father-son. I think there's probably some spiritual father, spiritual daughter moments in the book of Romans. Chapter 16, the writer, his name is Paul, really big deal. Big deal in the Bible. And when Paul would write a letter to the churches, that letter would be read publicly, you know, privately and then publicly and repeated publicly. And in in the end of the letter, chapter 16, Paul says, I commend to you our, look at this, I commend to you, remember this is a public reading, and I imagine the moment that Phoebe is in the room when they read the letter from the Apostle Paul. So, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon in the church. If that happened publicly and she was there, I'll bet that was a great spiritual dad moment. I can't believe the Apostle Paul mentioned my name in a letter. He goes on to say it, to say about Tryphena and Tryphosa, two ladies, greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, these women who work hard in the Lord. I'll bet that was a great moment for them. So hold those thoughts. We are this Father's Day exploring a, I think, a really memorable dad moment between a man named David and his son Solomon. David was a significant Bible character, uh, king of Israel. If you read the Bible, he's mentioned not just in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament. And Solomon is his son who is going to become king. David is at the end of his life and he's about to die. And we're going to take a look at the likely the last interaction between this dying father and his son who is going to take on this huge responsibility. Okay? That's where we're at. There was something else I was going to... Oh, I'll say that afterwards. So, Kings... 1 Kings 2.1, it says, When the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon his son. Pause right there for a moment. A little more background. At this point in David's life, he knows he's going to die, and he had actually, from other Bible verses, he had become so physically frail that he couldn't stay warm anymore. So, you know, something's going on that he's lost so much weight or something that he just can't stay warm. So he, can you imagine, like, he's at the end. So I wonder whether this interaction between David and Solomon, either David is probably in his, on his deathbed, you know, communicating, you know, bring my, you know, bring my son in here. I've got some things to say. Or I like to imagine him saying, I want to have one more conversation with my boy, and I want you, I'm, going to get, I'm going to get dressed. I want my royal robe. I'm going to get up out of this bed, and I'm going to have a heart-to-heart with my son. We don't know which one, but I would argue either one of those is going to make it a moment for Solomon to pay attention. Does that make sense? I guess it would be a big deal. So it says, when the time drew near for David to die, he charged his, Solomon his son. Here's what he says. I am about to go the way of all the earth, which is Bible language for I'm about to die, son. So be strong, 
Act like a man and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever, I'm sorry, in all you do and wherever you go. Title of the talk is Father's Day 2021. David's memorable dad moment. And how we're going to apply this is, I think there are principles here that we can use in our own life if we want to impact those around us. So moms, dads, friends of other people, maybe coaches, if you're a mentor to someone or someone you'd like to influence, the things that David said here are gold. If you want to be a person who has a memorable moment for someone else. Does that make sense? Good stuff. All right, so let me pray, and then I'm going to give you some ideas from the text. Father, I think some of this, Father, you'll be speaking to us to encourage us, but also will you plant in us ideas on how we can represent you well and encourage others. That the world would be different because of the next few minutes we study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. First idea I see here is David's impactful parental moment initiated strength. If you want to write something down, initiated strength. On your handout or at home, initiated strength. This is the first idea that comes out of David's mouth when he says, all right, I'm about to die, son, so be strong. So be strong. A couple things that come to my mind quickly is so the be strong thing is the first idea that David brings to his son. I think that's worth noting, right? So be strong. The other idea is David is probably the most qualified person to know what his son is going to need in his future because his son's future is going to be king. Does that make sense? David knows what in the world his son's going to need to be successful. David was a successful, very successful king. And so I imagine David either on his deathbed or preparing the speech, thinking of all the things that his sons, all the things that his son is going to need, the things that he's going to face as king and in his future. And, and as he uh, mulls over that in his mind, he thinks, what am I going to say? What am I going to, what am I going to say? By the way, David had conquered lands. He'd led people. He had d- decreased the godless activity he had, in, the, in his community. He had increased godliness. He uh, had, because of God's grace on his, life, on his life, economically things have shifted. So with all those things in mind, he says to his son, oh, what am I going to tell him? What's he going to need? Solomon, you're going to need to be strong. Something like that happened. You've got to be, my best advice, my first advice is be strong. A side note, there may have been other people in the room that wouldn't have been their first advice. His mom might be thinking when David says, you know, I'm about to die, son. So maybe his mom's thinking, you know, tell him to be safe. 
or could you tell him to brush his teeth or pick up his, do you know what I mean? I'm about to die, so, you know, so take care of your, so take care of your, will you tell him to take care of his mother? You know what, you don't know what was going on. There could have been an economic advisor, maybe one of David's staff sitting there thinking, I hope he says, so be generous with your staff, right? I've already said it, but David is the most qualified person to know what this guy is going to need. And he says, be strong. Here's an idea you can write down. David knew Solomon's destiny would require significant determination. By the way, God knows that about you and me, and us. A hundred times, at least, in the Bible, God speaks to people, individuals, or communities, or he has spiritual leaders speak to individuals, communities, and others. The concept of be strong, be courageous, right? Some examples in the Bible, Ephesians 6.10 says, finally, be strong in the Lord. He says that to you if you're a follower of Jesus. By the way, if you're not a follower of Jesus, that's the kind of God, God, he is. And if you, if you decide you're gonna follow Jesus, one of the great things that God will say to you a lot is be strong. We need to hear that, be strong. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. We just finished a series called Encounter, and we did three weeks on this verse in 2 Timothy, and it says, the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power. So God's spirit is about enabling strength in us. God knows for us we're going to need to be strong. And he will use us to tell other people, be strong. I have a 20-year-old daughter. Her name is Anna. Here's a picture of Anna. I like her. Uh, and she is entering, this next year, she'll enter into her junior year in a nursing program. And uh, she's trying to get through college without debt. And so she's working two jobs this summer. And uh, in the last 10 days, I think it would have been about 10 days ago, she started a conversation with me that started something like this. Dad, I may have made a mistake, which will get a father's attention. Like, what happened? It says, uh, what happened? And she, then she began to describe her schedule coming up like on a Thursday. And she said, well, job number one, I'm, uh, she does 12-hour shifts at job number one. So she was, you know, signed up for the 12-hour shift. And then job number two contacted her and asked her to work the night shift, which would be after job number one's 12-hour shift. And so basically she said, I signed up to do a 12-hour shift, take a two-and-a-half-hour nap, and then do an eight-hour shift at the other place. And she looked at me like uh, that. And so I had a couple dad thoughts in the middle of that. One was like, wow. Um, and then I, you know, had thoughts like, oh, ooh, that's going to be rough. 
I had thoughts like, well, maybe I could take one of your shifts. And I thought, that won't fly. They won't let me do that. And where I settled in the conversation, and I actually think this is God. I looked at her and communicated in different ways. I said, well, be strong. It's going to be tough, but you can do this. Suck it up, buttercup, you'll make it. I didn't say that. But that's basically what I said to her. Now, for those of you who the rumor think you are the meanest dad I have ever met, I would like to argue with you a little bit. Because at some point, you know what? Oh, you know what? My, uh, by the way, my, and my plan as a dad, my hope and prayer for my daughter is not that she works 20-hour work days every day of her life. That's not where I'm planning. But I think it's a, quite an opportunity for her to realize that she can work a 20-hour day and not die. By the way, she's here today. She was playing the drums. She lived. <laughs> she made it through that. Now, some of you, some of you might right now be like, no way. No, yeah, she actually lived. She worked 20 hours, and she, does that make sense? And, and there's, a, there's a thing here that's an opportunity for us to shift to a more mature place. What do you want to be when you grow up? You want to be strong or you want to be weak? The decisions that we make in the midst of life will either create one thing or another in us. Is that, and we are actually in a culture that's communicating, I think, some confusing things. It seems like the one message to our culture is stay safe, you know, be sensitive, wear a helmet, and you should be offended. There's a lot of that being communicated. Well, the problem is if you communicate that, where are you, what happens to the be strong, you need to be able to handle yourself, take care of life, and here's where those two things collide. If you want to be strong, then you've got to do some hard things that exercise your muscles so that your muscles get strong. Let me give you a, a Bible verse. James 1-2 says, consider it pure joy. Oh, side note, if you decide to follow Jesus, it is an alternative lifestyle to a lot of stuff that we will learn culturally. I'm just saying. And if you're a follower of Jesus and you look just like everybody else, you ain't a follower of Jesus. That's not the way it works. Je ah, this is a real tangent, but does this make sense? Jesus did not live like everybody else. That's why they killed him. <laughs> okay, sorry, back to the text. Consider it pure joy when you're on vacation, my brothers and sisters. That's not what it says. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials. Well, that sounds hard of many kinds because you know the testing. Well, that sounds difficult. The testing of your faith develops perseverance or produces perseverance. Here's the good news. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So if we want to be that, mature and complete, not lacking anything, by definition, you have to go through hard stuff to get to the mature, complete, not acting anything, not lacking anything. This is the opportunity for us. Be a person in another person's life that when they're going through something tough, you say, be strong, you can do it. Because there'll be a lot of people, maybe, that will tell them, quit, give up, 
blame somebody else, go do something easy, that doesn't get them to mature, complete, not lacking anything. Does that make sense? That's a, there's a little bit of rub there, isn't it? David's impactful parental moment initiated strength. Wow, this is going to have to be a mini second point. David's impactful parental moment included some gender specificity. That's a pretty long word for us at the vineyard. Specificity. This is just a simple observation. He said, act like a man. There are times in the Bible that God addresses all humanity. And he basically says the same thing to all of us. Whether you're a man or a woman, it's just all the same. Love your neighbor. He doesn't say, ladies, love your neighbors. Men, you're off the hook. That's not, does that make sense? Love your neighbor. Obey God. Repent for sin. Follow Jesus. Those are all general human commands. That's to all of us. There are other times in the Bible he distinctly says, okay, wait, I've got something special for you because you're a guy. I've got, I've got a special way of communicating to you because you are a woman. And here, David, here's the idea. It'll come up on the screen. David, I think because he's wise, he tailors his comments specifically for a son. My guess is if he were talking to a daughter, he would have adjusted his conversation. He may have still said, be strong, but it may not have been the first thing he said to her. Is this making sense? You want to impact the lives around you? Don't forget every once in a while to think, wait, okay, now I'm talking to my daughter. I'm not talking to my son. I'm talking to my son. I'm not talking to my daughter. There is a difference. Biblical worldview, there is always, there are similarities, so many similarities between men and women, and there are some differences. I observed a fun one the other day. Fun story, at least for me. Stopped at a lake. I was going to go swimming after a uh, long day. Took this picture at a lake. And uh, if you notice, off to the side, there was this little family, a mom and three kids were playing. Can you see them up there? Just, they're just tiny little small people. They were like a foot and a half tall. They were laying, no, but right? I don't know if you can see them. It was kind of an image. The next image, this is not them, but it was kind of, they were like kids playing in the water. All right? So it's fun. Couple, I got to do this quick. I came into the water, and they were over here, and I was greeted by one of the siblings who said, uh, uh I'm a pirate, and my name is Blackbeard. Had a little plastic sword. You want to guess whether that was a boy or a girl? Boy. Boy, totally boy. And I had so much fun watching that boy who was five years old, maybe, for the next hour do have this fantasy fighting he would go over to his little sister he was the oldest and he would be like i will protect you and right he's doing all this stuff in the water and they'd run over here and he was like oh no the, my favorite moment was he'd been doing this this is just what he was doing in the water the fantasy uh, the, the uh, enemy was driving him out into the deep water so he's like getting deeper like it's coming up here and he's like oh no i'm in trouble so he gets so far to like here, and he cries out to his like three-year-old brother who's making a sandcastle, and he says this, Jameson, bring me your shovel so we can hit them in the head. <laughs> his sister was not saying such things. It was just a little, she was going, 
Anyway, I would submit, sub, submit to you. <laughs> There's a difference between men and women. Every once in a while, you'll serve them well by remembering, okay, I'm talking to a guy, I'm talking to a girl. Last point. David's impactful parental moment included spiritual things. This is really important. Uh, I know we don't normally do three points, but be strong, you guys. Be strong. Be strong. Um, the largest section of his speech has to do with obedience to God. He sums up his first two points in seven words, right? Be strong, so be strong, act like a man. That's just seven words. Then he goes into a section. Observe what the Lord requires. Walk in obedience to him. Keep his decrees, his commands, his laws, his regulations. He emphasized this spirit, the spiritual aspect of life, and that's what he knows. Remember, Solomon is going to be king, and he knows this is not going to work if you have a weak spiritual life, Solomon. Here's a fill in the blank. David didn't shy away from spiritual responsibilities. I want to pause and let that sink in. If we're really going to impact the lives of those around us, if we're really going to listen to the Father, if we're really going to have success, the, the, the scripture at the end of it, David says, if you do these things, that you'll have success in all you do. That is deeply connected to our spiritual seriousness. And so he's trying to plant that in his son. Nothing more important than that. By the way, we could give people the best advice ever financially, and they may, they may get rich. But without Christ, the, it, won't, it won't work. Or if life seems to work for them, still eternity will not. So there's this emphasis on spiritual responsibility. By the way, I think one of the reasons that this would be powerful in, his, in, in David's interaction with Solomon is because it would not be a new thing for David to address spiritual things in front of Solomon. Da oh, here's another way to look at it. When Solomon hears this speech, he would not walk away and think, why? Well, what happened? So like my dad's dying and now he's getting all religious on me? You hear what I'm saying? This is not a new thing. David has been living spiritual seriousness his whole life in front of his son. That will make a difference when you call somebody else toward spiritual responsibility. Solomon has heard the stories of his father worshiping, of his dad worshiping the Lord with all his might. He have heard, he's heard those stories. He's probably seen his father writing what we now call psalms. The book of Psalms, writing songs to God produced out of his time with the Lord. There's a question, we're going to put it up on the screen. Am I living for God enough that others see it? If you want to have power, 
and influence to affect other people's lives. When you talk about spiritual things, they will know this is not coming out of the blue. This is part of your life. My life was impacted by a man named Mr. Green, first guy I ever met who actually read his Bible. I just didn't know anybody. And I thought, when I met him, well, do you like really read that? And he actually wrote in his Bible. He was the first person I remember. I probably had met people who really prayed, but I didn't know anybody who really prayed. And like he really prayed. And I was a church-going person. I thought the prayer thing was just you say that to be nice to people. Say, oh, you're sick. Hey, I'll pray for you. Never did it. But he like prayed. He, he went to church every week. He didn't wake up in the morning and go, I don't know. What do you think? Like, does that make sense? And I think that's why God used him, because God looked down at his faithfulness and gave him more power because he was being faithful. And so when Mr. Green was there and God's spirit was working on me, Mr. Green was the guy I said, would you pray for me? And that prayer changed my life. It was how I became a Christian. Because he was living spiritual life day in. He, he, did he make mistakes? I'm sure he did. I didn't see him. I didn't know him well enough to know if he did, but he was serious, and he's the kind of person that when he spoke, I thought, you probably know what you're talking about, because I watch you do it. That's a challenge to me. <laughs> when you're, those of us that are parents, if you're, if you're, child is ever asked about you and like one of their friends says hey is your dad a christian does your son say uh yeah or does he say oh yeah <laughs> and i'm telling you the oh yeah is a better answer than well yeah i think so i mean he's not a muslim or didn't, does that make sense? So again, I'm going I'm to finish this up. But what are some things that we're doing in our life that just express, are, are we spiritually serious enough for anybody to notice? We don't do it so we're noticed. But if we're really doing it, then it'll be noticed. I know a lot of us are doing that. For some of you today, you're going to start doing that. It'll have a huge impact on your life and other people's lives. Last fill in the blank. It's time to model spiritually seriousness. It is time to model spiritual seriousness to those around us. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.